Hey, it's Alan Carter. Here's what's on the podcast today. Does this bubble make me look fat? Is it time to tighten up our bubbles? Plus, COVID testing lineups, terrible. And Apple under fire for its latest release. All that coming up. Let's get to it. I'm digging through those numbers right now, and I'm looking for some some kind of silver lining as I look at the numbers. I'm looking for a nugget that makes me feel better. Oh, oh! speaking of nuggets, here's a number that makes me feel better. The Nuggets eliminate the Clippers, and Kawhi Leonard's going home. That, now, see, now I feel better. Good. I feel good. I just, every time I look at these coronavirus numbers, I think, well, that's not great, uh, but Kawhi Leonard probably regrets leaving Toronto. And so then I feel better. See? Kawhi Leonard? Leaves Toronto, goes to Los Angeles, only to get smacked down by a guy from Kitchener. That is justice, is what that is. We're going to talk more about uh, Game 7 and the Clippers and, uh, you know, stand by for that. But let us let us dig into those numbers today. Because I don't know if you checked the calendar. I don't know if you looked at your calendar. What, what day is it exactly? It's- yeah, here we go again. It's Groundhog Day again and again and again, and most troublingly so. It seems like May Groundhog Day, because if you look at the numbers and the trajectory we are on, we are on the same kind of escalator that we saw in April and May when we got to a peak of over 600 cases a day. Right now, the case number 315, obviously it's not there, but we have seen the numbers going up. This is the better news, is our testing numbers are better, 29,000 tests in the last 24 hours. We're going to talk a lot more about testing in just a couple of minutes and talk about what is going on at those testing centers and why is it we're not prepared for that. But just to further break down of those numbers, Toronto reporting 77 new cases, Ottawa 61. There are 54 in Peel, 37 in York, Durham reporting 24. This one jumped out at me, Simcoe Muskoka with six. And the reason that appears on the list is they generally don't, you can find the information, but anything five or less doesn't pop up on some of the reporting. So Simcoe Muskoka, what's going on up there? Six new cases in that area. You know what it feels like? It feels like that kind of day. There is no doubt that the latest... It's Groundhog Day! (laughs) My apologies to the Minister of Health for uh, bumbling that joke. Uh, Bumbling and bubbles. Bubbles. Can we talk about the bubbles for just one moment? Uh, What bubble? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. You're not. You're not keeping a strict bubble. You're Breaks not, my you, heart. You know you are not. You are breaking the rules. We are all breaking the rules. I'm breaking the rules. I probably shouldn't admit that. There'll be pitchforks outside the studio later. But you know, I'm. I'm. What am I? You know, I'm fudging them. You know what I'm doing? I'm using the old Doug Ford common sense. Remember that when it was just use your common sense. That was the thing that you were supposed to do. But then as the numbers went down, you're like, well, my common sense now allows me, you, you know, to do whatever I like. 
we knew this was coming. Uh, we knew that uh, the big headline, of course, today is that the Ford government is going to act, going to do something, going before cabinet today, a proposal to limit or reduce gathering sizes from the 100 outdoors, 50 indoors, 50 people inside. Now, keep in mind, people are like, 50 people, no problem. I have 50 people over to my you know 600 square foot of condo down there in King West, no problem. That's what it says. No, no, that's 50 if you can maintain physical distance. Finally, it appears we're coming to some sanity, though, from the central table. You'll recall that just last week when asked about rollbacks for things like uh, banquet halls or nightclubs, things that they've done in British Columbia, that the, the premier of this province says it's up to the mayors. Hey, you're the mayors. You make the decision. Well, here is Ford yesterday kind of outlining what is in the news today, which is that, yes, we are going to move on this gathering limits, but listen to him sort of still talk about, well, we're, we're still including the mayors. The mayors are still there. This is a question from Sean Jeffords for the Canadian Press about gathering sizes and what Ford is prepared to do. What is the province going to do to address that? It seems like you're asking for people to take individual responsibility, but couldn't the province do something? Couldn't the province change its plan to address that and head off these shutdowns? Absolutely, we we can and we're going to. We're going to discuss it with the health table, but we've already been on the call with Mayor Watson. I've talked to Mayor Tory, had a meeting with Mayor Brown last night, and I always believe in getting input from the municipal leaders. No one knows their area better than than the mayors and the, and the council so we're, we're reaching out to them they've given us uh, some some areas of concern we're going to address them uh, right away well that stuck for yesterday I, I don't i don't know about right away i mean patrick brown was on my radio show you know days and days ago saying you know i i, I want the premier to change the gathering numbers and if he won't i might have to do it just here in brampton and when told of the premier's statements about, hey, mayors, it's up to you. It's your decision. John Tory said, I respectfully disagree that it has to come from the central table. And it appears that it is going to. And that is some good news. It is a little belated, but it is good news. And also belatedly, I think that the Ford government is increasing its attempt to explain exactly where these outbreaks are coming from and are beginning to use all of the tools available to the government. It's not, it's not good enough just to have Doug Ford up there saying, I don't want to be, you know, preaching at you. Uh, here's Christine Elliott. She tweeted something out this morning that uh, caught my attention. She tweeted out this soundbite from the uh, Associate Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Barbara Yaffe, talking about exactly what is driving this increase in COVID cases. We look at the data so far, and and this has been, um, uh, again, consistently uh, told to us from the local medical officers of health, as well as the data that um, the cases uh, acquired the infection, transmitted the infection in social gatherings that were not in bars or restaurants. They were in private uh, homes. They were uh, uh, weddings. They were private functions. That is Dr. Barbara Yaffe speaking about where exactly these outbreaks are coming from. 
We need more information like that. We need even more detailed information like that. We need anecdotes that talk about, you know, what was served at that dinner. Take us there. How many people were in the room? You know, I understand, you know, it can't be, you know, John Smith at such and such a boulevard because we don't want to do that. There are privacy issues here. But the more information we can get on precisely what caused an outbreak the better. And the government is somewhat belatedly coming around to that point and also belatedly coming around to the idea that, wait a second, if a second wave is coming, and remember we've been saying all along, it's not if, it's when, then we better get going with testing. We better be ready for testing. And what we continue to hear and see is long, long lines right across the province. And in question period today, Doug Ford was in question period. He was actually in the house today, didn't stand and uh, talk very much, but uh, did take a question from across the aisle from the NDP about lineups. The specific question was about lineups in London, where the NDP MPP for that area stood up and said there are incredibly long lineups. It's it's a bad situation. What is the government going to do about it? Here's what Doug Ford had to say in response. I drove by Women's College, uh, Mr. Speaker, and I'm first to acknowledge there, there was lineups. But there was good news in that lineup. The good news is I saw a lot of young people in that lineup because we know the majority of the cases are under 40 years of age and also under 19 years of age. So I'm so proud to see everyone getting there and getting tested, and we're going to have a very efficient system. That is Doug Ford in question period and. Here we are again. We're, we're we have if we have long lineups to get tested. Like <laughs> I got you, babe, is playing on the transistor radio beside my bed every single morning. Here we go again. How come we're not prepared for this? Now, you heard the premier talk about something that he was asked about yesterday, which is some kind of partnership with pharmacies, whether it's Shoppers or Rexall or any other number of the pharmacy chains in the province, to provide faster testing. And he said, There's, the information is coming. It's coming. But if you look at those numbers, that second wave isn't just coming. It appears it is upon us. And so where is the testing? We have some breaking news coming out from the Conservative Party of Canada. Aaron O'Toole and his family are going to be tested for COVID-19 because a member of Mr. O'Toole's staff, I'm reading here from the statement that has just come out from the Conservative Party, a member of Mr. O'Toole's staff with whom he was traveling has tested positive. While Mr. O'Toole has not shown symptoms, uh, he and his family are being tested out of an abundance of caution. Other staff who are traveling with Mr. O'Toole are also being tested and will be self-isolating. So someone in Mr. O'Toole's camp has tested positive for COVID-19. If you're just tuning in, just joining us on this radio program today, the case numbers continue to be not good. 315, another day over the 300 mark, and the trend line continues to head back up. But there are differences as we look at the numbers, there are differences now between 
what we saw in May when last we saw the numbers going up at this kind of a clip. What does it all mean? To help me sort it out, Zane Chagla is an infectious disease specialist and associate professor at McMaster. Welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for having me. So when I look at that number right there, as I said, 315 cases, I think the thing that continues to jump out at everybody is 64% of today's cases continue to be under the age of 40. Is that the major difference, you think, in the climb of case numbers? Yeah, and I think this is so this is not just an Ontario issue. This is a global issue. I, there's many, many different countries around the world, uh, states and provinces that have shown this growth initially in this demographic under 40 that then eventually, when things get out of control, start spilling over into the more vulnerable groups. And it usually takes a few weeks to get to that point, but often the first indicator that uh, there is more transmission ongoing within our communities. Are we at a point where we can say there is unchecked community transfer? I mean, I think we we still aren't seeing a lot of outbreaks in in many centers, but yes, I, I you know I think there is uh, there are enough clusters that are starting to show up, uh, new clusters that are starting to show up of cases. Um, we're seeing exposures in fairly populated settings. I think the, the example at the University of Western Ontario, where where there's now I think about nine people positive. You know, we're we're seeing some of these. Um, uh, uh, more low prevalent settings that are starting to see cases show up. And so, um, you know, there there is a concern that uh, we are getting a, a bit more community transmission than we saw in, in uh, early July or late June. I, I think the other number that pops out that's a, a big difference from the last time we saw the numbers going up at this kind of rate is the testing numbers, 29,000 mm-hmm. in the last 24 hours. And yet we still see these long lineups for people trying to get tested. Help me understand that. Yeah, I mean, there's two functions here, right? So there is the testing number, and that really just means the number of swabs, the number of texts, the number of machines to process those swabs uh, you know, that's that 29 to 35,000, I think, that are available in the province. But there's the actual physical capacity to see, assess, make sure patients are safe and swab them. You know, if you are talking about 29,000 people uh, uh, that need to be swabbed on a daily basis, and some of those derive from hospitals, so maybe, you know, 25,000 that are uh, going through these assessment centers, and even five minutes of visit, you're talking, you know, huge amounts of time and waiting for, for those to be done. And uh, realistically, we only have a certain number of assessment centers. We have a certain number of healthcare providers that are working in those assessment centers. And so those demands keep rising. And unfortunately, there isn't uh, a lot of places to see these people and, and lineups keep getting longer just to, to deal with everyone appropriately. What, what- what does the science tell us about rapid response testing? And, you know, that's sort of a thing that us, the public, we, you know, we sort of think, well, why can't we all have at-home testing and all that sort of thing? What's the science tell us about how efficient those sort of things are? Yeah, so I, I think, you know, number one is we know that uh, identifying patients, contact tracing them early, isolating those contacts of those patients, 
um, has huge public health implications. And I think this is what we strive for in public health and infectious diseases for all of our patients so that they're diagnosed within 24 hours, that that contact tracing occurs very quickly, such that spread doesn't keep going in the community. Um, but, you know, when we get into situations like this where there's a limited test capacity and we're still using PCR tests, which are, are very high yield, high sensitive, but high um, uh, laboratory processing tests, we're still dealing with uh, delays. We're, you know, we're, and unfortunately, there's a lot of low yield tests that are coming into the system from people that are testing, you know, as a method to um, uh, prevent, you know, uh, infecting people at the cottage or uh, going into a close contact setting with others uh, where it's completely inappropriate uh, that are being bundled in the same testing pile that uh, people who are symptomatic or their kids are symptomatic in school. And so, you know, there is a lot of stuff ending up in the center here and being processed all the same. Uh, realistically, the people that are symptomatic do need to go get tested because that is a higher risk and, and certainly higher yield in terms of getting a positive result. People that are exposed should be going to get tested as directed by public health. Um, you know, the other test that you talked about, the rapid test, the home test, they're still not there yet. They still have to go through approval. They may be a, an option for some of these low yield tests or people that just want to test for the sake of testing. But for now, I really want to reassure, I really want to emphasize to people that if you're symptomatic, go get tested. If you're not symptomatic, not exposed, to let those assessment centers process those people that are symptomatic and or exposed to really make sure that they get access to high quality results. Uh, the Premier uh, planning to, uh, I think he's still scheduled, I haven't seen any change on timing coming up at one o'clock today. He will be asked about this proposal to cabinet to reduce gathering sizes. I just wonder from your perspective, if there's something that you would like to see the provincial government do right now. Yeah, I mean, I think this it's this. You know, the, the, the best indication of what's happening in Ontario is this is in private residences. And it's not just young people in private residences. We're seeing families. We're seeing uh, other get-togethers, not just parties leading to this. I think reducing the gathering size symbolically at least signals to people that we need to uh, pay attention to who's coming into our homes uh, and the way we, uh, we have people in our homes and avoiding it. Um, and I think also considering ways to get people outside for longer, whether that's uh, opening up parks, putting, putting more recreational activities there, you know, giving more public space to people to actually congregate in, in, in groups, that type of thing, and, and really try to find ways so people can still interact with each other without necessarily putting themselves at these risks. Um, but I do think, you know, reducing the gathering size may have some symbolic role to tell people to, to stop with, uh, with some of these events that have led to transmission. Zane, thank you so much for joining me today. Much appreciated. No worries. All the best. That is Zane Chagla, who is an infectious disease specialist and associate professor at McMaster. Well, here we are again. The calendar says that it's September, but I'm not so sure about that. Because once again, we find ourselves facing restrictions, new restrictions on what we can do. Once again, we find ourselves facing coronavirus case numbers that seem to increase daily. 315, the new number. The other number there, 29,000 tests. So there have been 29,000 tests conducted or processed in the last 
24 hours, but nevertheless, with the increase in concerns, not only because the case numbers are going up, but also we're all going back to school, it's a lot of us going back to the office maybe, and you're thinking it's time to get tested, need to get a test. Premier keeps saying, go get a test if you think you have it. A lot of people don't, I don't even know if I have it. I'm just going to get tested anyway because I'm concerned. Well, that has led to large, large lineups right across the province. And this is from the House this morning from Queen's Park, from the legislature. This is Joel Harden, who is the NDP MPP for Ottawa Centre, telling a story of a man named Rowan, who he had just spoken to, who is in line for a test in Ottawa. Rowan is standing right now in an eight-hour lineup at Moody Drive testing facility in the West End. The lineup is more than a kilometer long. That was not a typo speaker. Rowan and Kimberly are currently in an eight-hour lineup. The first person for that lineup, Rowan tells me, arrived at 4.30 this morning. Rowan and Kimberly arrived at 7 a.m., and they might get tested by 3 p.m. this afternoon. I'm being told that people are parking kilometers away and walking to the line that they're languishing outside, some with children. Folks are turning away at the sight of this massive lineup, which means they aren't getting tested. It's unacceptable. That is Joel Harden, the NDP MPP for Ottawa Centre in the Ontario Legislature this morning, telling a story of a man and his wife who need to get tested regularly because they are vulnerable themselves and there are care issues. They have care issues with, with other vulnerable people and they need those, they need that test. You know, so it's not like they're just, you know, going to get a test because, well, you know, n- next weekend we're all getting together. So we're going to get a test in advance. Let's, let's, let's make sure we don't do that. And I think we need the premier to say that out loud today. We heard that in our, in our last segment from our medical experts saying, why is it that testing areas are, are gummed up with people who are, you know, are saying, well, you know, we're having a, we're having a 25th anniversary party next weekend. So we're all getting tested and then we're going to come, we're all going to get together because we'll all be good. Everybody brings their little, you know, their test results. Hi, champagne for me. Forget about it. Yeah. And I think the premier needs to say that loud and clear, but let's get back to those lineups here is Marianne Domain from Global News on the situation locally here in Toronto. This is really something workers are trying to get on top of. They're trying to address this overwhelming demand. But for those who are coming here to the COVID-19 Assessment Centre at Michael Guerin Hospital, likely another day of long lineups. That's just really become the norm here because so many people are coming here to get tested. Yesterday, in fact, the lineup to get in to get tested stretched the entire block. Some people waited hours, some sitting on lawn chairs, and then in the end, some were just turned away. That is Marianne Demain talking about what is expected to happen yet again today at Michael Guerin Hospital in East Toronto. So, of course, there were questions in the House about it. The Premier took one question and said that he'd seen a lineup that very morning, but the good news was it was full of young people. So, And then the Minister of Health was asked a number of times, what is it that the government is doing about accelerating the number of tests that we can process. Here's Christine Elliott. 
People also deserve to have timely access to tests and we recognize that with people going back to work, with people returning to school, people needing to have tests to visit uh, family members in long-term care homes or retirement homes, that we need to have greater access for people. We have expanded our testing capacity and our lab capacity considerably in a very short order to the point that we are now leading in testing across the country with over three million tests having been conducted. But we are looking to expand again we're looking to get to 50,000 tests per day, and we have a fall preparedness plan that is calling for that to happen. So we're looking to get to 50,000. We're just shy of 30,000, 29,000 in the last 24 hours. There will be many of us who will say, we didn't see this coming. Why are we you know, aiming to ramp now? We should have ramped beforehand. What was the, the holdback? What was... You know, what was the delay in getting that done? And then let's get back to the minister one more time. This is the fallback answer for the government, and it increasingly is getting stale. There is no doubt that the latest trends in numbers have raised some concern, especially as we move into the fall months. We know that the people of Ontario don't want to see widespread lockdowns or shutdowns again. That is why we are taking the pause of four weeks before considering any further loosening of public health measures or opening any further businesses, organizations, or facilities. Additionally, we will be releasing our comprehensive fall preparedness plan very shortly, and this plan will continue to build upon the measures currently in place. Here's the thing. I know that the calendar doesn't say fall, but I'm wearing a sweater, Minister. It feels like fall. I mean, I I don't know what the calendar says where you are. It's Groundhog Day! Round and round we go. We need a little bit more information. We need some more clarity, and hopefully we're going to get that coming up. The the government promising, yes, testing numbers and the capacity will go up. Stand by. Yes, we have a plan for what's coming with the second wave in the fall. Stand by. I I think it's a good plan. Let's put another log in the fire. It's getting chilly out. Let's talk tech, shall we? Apple, with a big announcement yesterday, as it introduced a number of new devices and gadgets. No phone, but some other things in there that are very interesting, including a cheaper version of its smartwatch, plus a new high-end watch model. You know, for those of us who are both frugal and also lavish, we all have our own Apple Watch. Plus a couple of new subscription services. Uh, The company uh, normally rolls out iPhones at this time of the year, but production problems, as I mentioned, uh, have uh, delayed the release, and they're talking phone now in October. Uh, Apple also announcing a new fitness subscription service, and that's tailored for the watch, as well as a new option that's going to bundle existing music, video, and news and gaming services all into one bundled package, that will cost between 15 to 30 bucks a month. Now, you, immediately when you hear that, you might think, well, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, and maybe if you're the kind of person that gets your streaming service from Spotify, you think to yourself, well, well now, wait a second. Uh, Spotify doesn't offer any of those other things. And you can bet the people over at Spotify were watching that Apple release because the response from Spotify, the other streaming service giant was the following 
Quote, we call on competition authorities to act urgently to restrict Apple's anti-competitive behavior, which, if left unchecked, will cause irreparable harm to the developer community and threaten our collective freedoms to listen, learn, create, and connect. Are our collective freedoms in harm's way because of this? Mark Saltzman is a technology expert, and welcome to the program. Hey, Mark. Good, good to chat with you, Alan. How, were you surprised by this bundle announcement by Apple? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I pretty much predicted the hardware announcements, which were mostly the Apple Watch, as you hinted at, as well as the, the new iPads. And we knew the phones were going to delay, uh, be delayed. Apple confirmed that, uh, be, mostly because of the 5-chip not being quite ready, the 5G, rather, so to take advantage of next-generation uh, cellular networks. But the services, which, by the way, after... Uh, iPhone services are the second biggest revenue generator for Apple. So you know, I knew there was going to be an announcement, but I think that the bundle is very clever on their part. As you uh, touched on, it's called Apple One, and starting at about $16 Canadian a month, you're going to get Apple Music, Apple TV Plus, Apple Arcade, Apple News, and then on the higher tier packages, Fitness Plus as well, which was unveiled yesterday, a, a video streaming platform for various Apple devices. So if you're an Apple fan, as I'm sure many of your listeners are, it's, I mean, you can't, you can't challenge that value proposition. I mean, that's fantastic. I pay, just anecdotally, I pay 16 bucks a month for Netflix for the 4K stream. I pay $16 or $15 for a Spotify family account. So the five of us all have Spotify. So if you do the math, I mean, you can't, you, you can't deny what Apple is offering is uh, a great deal on the surface. We'll see how it all rolls out, but it sounds amazing for Apple one. But yeah, if you're the competition, you're, you're going to cry, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to complain about this as, as uh, Spotify was swift to challenge. So they, they feel that this is unfair that Apple is leveraging its devices, its platforms to push its own services and squeeze out the competition. We, this is reminiscent, Alan, you may remember, uh, cause I remember when, uh, I used to be with you on, uh, global TV. We talk about the, um, Windows bundling Internet Explorer browser and Netflix, uh, sorry, Netscape at the time going, Hey, wait a second. You're, you, you're, you've got the operating system. So now you're going to play favorites to your Internet Explorer browser instead of giving, uh, you know, choice to the user. So this is reminiscent of that. It's very cyclical, isn't it? It, yeah, it is reminiscent of that. And in, if I recall, there was uh, government action, mm -hmm. uh, and legislators did get involved. And to unbundle it, yeah, to unbundle it. it, especially in Europe, they're very um, sensitive to anti-competitive practices in Europe. So we'll see what happens. And, and Spotify, being Swedish company, That's I right. believe, still is it not? Yes, it is indeed. So yeah, the European Commission also received an official antitrust complaint about this. So we're going to see what's going to happen. But it was just announced yesterday. I mean, um, I, I, again, if you're a consumer of Apple services, then this is a heck of a deal. But if you're the competition, you're gonna, you know, you're gonna cry foul. And I understand it. I understand both sides. It's not black and white. It's a complicated thing, depending on which company you work for. Uh, Spotify's proposition is also pretty darn good as well. And they can, you know, maybe, uh, best Apple in a few other areas. Um, you know, in terms of the, the number of services, the number of, uh, songs and, and, uh, playlists they support and, and any exclusives they can lock in. But, uh, I think but they in the don't end, have the, the consumers going to win the, the size. End. They don't. Have, they just don't have the size of the scale or the service well, to, to offer. Apple that, is that a two. Apple does. They're a two trillion dollar company, so you bet they've got some resources 
uh, at the ready. But uh, Spotify is currently the, 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 you know, Apple Music is actually the underdog here. Uh, but when you bundle it all together, um, you know, it, it makes for a very compelling investment by the, for the consumer. So in the end, I think at the very, at the very least, we're going to win out as consumers because competition is going to drive the prices down. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, I, I can Has see Netflix why Netflix responded. Like, I'm wondering, you mentioned Netflix. I wonder if Netflix has got anything to say on anti-competition. I don't think they have for, for, based on yesterday's announcements. No. And, you know, unlike Netflix, where you can see a lot of that content elsewhere, Apple TV is all original programming. So it's, uh, look, it's not quite apples to oranges. They're both, you know, there's only so much limited, you know, sort of disposable income per month a Canadian is going to spend on streaming services. But Apple TV Plus is, it's it's exclusive. It's all made for Apple TV Plus, unlike Netflix and Amazon Prime and some of these others where you can, there's might be a few different places where you can get all that content and it's not paid for by Apple. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see. Right now we are in this streaming wars, uh, you know, fight uh, in 2020 and it's only going to get uh, a little bit more crowded before some consolidation happens. I'm, I'm curious to know what Apple's going to say. I mean, they actually officially responded, by the way, to to routers anyways. Uh, to, they, they said that um, we are going after the existing Apple customer to give them more value based on the subscriptions you already have, is what they said. So they're saying, because they're downplaying the fact that some Spotify users may jump ship and jump Apple. So yeah. Ap- Apple said to, to router, to, to routers, I'm saying this Reuters. right now, Reuters. Oh my gosh. I'm, 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 I'm a journalist here. What's going on? <laughs> I'm a gooder journalist than the other guy. I, yeah. Uh, that they, they said to, uh, that, that it, quote unquote, it's perfect for anyone who loves any of our services and wants to get more for less. And it's especially great for families. So I think they're trying to downplay the fact that Spotify users may jump ship and, and join the Apple family. Yeah, no, sure. We don't want any of your customers. No, we're not interested in those. Mark Saltzman is a tech expert. Always great to talk to you, Mark. You take care now. You too. Be well. All right. I think the best news going on when you take a look at those numbers, those COVID-19 numbers, the best numbers uh, for any of us here in Toronto are the numbers that the Nuggets put up last night over the Clippers, 104 to 89 in Game 7. The Nuggets go on to the Western Conference Final. The L.A. Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. And, I mean, why would we be talking about this? We're only talking about it because of Kawhi. But Kawhi Leonard, of course, who, you know, hoisted the trophy here with us and then said, "Mm, I want to go to L.A. Uh, And turns out he doesn't get any deeper into the playoffs than we do. Maybe if you'd stayed with us... Maybe if you'd stayed with us, Kawhi. And just to give you a sense of what kind of an upset this was over there in the Western Conference or the Western Conference semi, uh, here's Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, of course, a, a former player and a commentator. This is at the beginning of the series between the Nuggets and the Clippers. Here's Charles Barkley's uh, guess on what's going to unfold. The series, Chuck. Uh, tell me how Denver um, succeeds in this series. They got no chance in this series. They got, they're not going to beat the Clippers. They're not going to beat No them. chance. No chance. They're not good enough defensively, and they're not going <laughs> to let Jamal Murray go 50-22. That is Charles Barkley. No chance whatsoever. Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> 
And, and keep in mind, it looked like he was right because the Clippers went up 3-1 in this series. And then a guy from Kitchener turned it on, Jamal Murray. He scored 40 points last night in Game 7. He's from Kitchener, and here he is after the big win. Everybody counts us out. Uh, and it's just fun to it's just fun to silence everybody. We love it. And that's what makes it so special when we play with no pressure and we go out there and just play free and trust each other. And, and it shows in our play and it shows in our energy and, and how we talk and how we celebrate and, and what we're down and how we react and how we take action. That is Jamal Murray from Kitchener. Congratulations to Jamal Murray and the Denver Nuggets eliminating the Los Angeles Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi! Why, Kawhi? If you'd stayed here, we would have given you another coactus. But instead, you can just weep silently into your pool there in Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Coming up right here on Global News Radio, uh, the Doug Ford Show. It is time for the premier uh, in his daily rant. Who's he going to preach to today? Who's he going to get after? There'll be a lot of questions, of course, about the big news of the day, which is the province is poised to reduce the uh, gathering limits for indoor and outdoor currently. Uh, outdoor 100, indoor 50. Apparently, this is going to be a regional approach, so you're probably looking at Toronto, maybe Peel. That'll be interesting. Is it Peel or is it Brampton? Because Mississauga is going to be like, whoa, hey, whoa, hey, what? But it looks like Ottawa, too, will be within those that will be impacted. That's the podcast for today. Don't forget to catch the Alan Carter Show weekdays starting at noon.